Tell you what, that should be the theme of our, of our hearts and lives. Don't ever give up. Just pray, amen? And all the difficulties and struggles, and actually we're going to deal with that a little bit this morning. I think it's a, a very fit, fitting song for the message that we're going to be preaching this morning. If you would, please stand for the reading of God's Word. Turn your Bibles to Judges chapter 8. Judges chapter 8. I'm just going to read one verse, all right? One verse. Judges chapter 8. If, if you don't feel like turning there, that's okay. If you'll trust me to read it correctly. Judges chapter 8. I think it's always good to flip to the Bible and, and look at the Scripture when it's being read. Uh, you never know. preacher might slip something in there on you. But, uh, but Judges chapter 8. One verse, verse 4. It says, And Gideon came to Jordan and passed over, he and 300 men that were with him. And notice what it says, Faint, yet pursuing them. Faint, yet pursuing them. I like to preach a message Faint yet pursuing for his name's sake. Let's pray. Father, we come to you. Lord, no doubt there's those who feel faint, those who feel tired, those who feel maybe even defeated. I pray, Lord, that you would just strengthen them this morning. Help us, Lord, to keep pursuing for your name, for your honor and glory. Lord, for someone here who doesn't know Christ their Savior, Lord, that's who we're pursuing, that they might, Lord, that they might receive Christ. Lord, I pray that you'd strengthen us, help us to live for you, help us to serve you. Lord, I pray that they might be saved today. I pray, Lord, you'd be with every person here. Lord, to meet the needs that they have. Lord, I pray for Connie and the family, Lord. Just encourage them, strengthen them during this time. Lord, give them that hope, Lord, that only you can give. We thank you, Lord, for your love. Be with our nation. Be with the, uh, those, Lord, who are making decisions. Lord, turn their hearts to you. Lord, may you be glorified. May you be lifted up. And may we exalt you even this morning. For this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You be seated. Most of you are familiar with the story that is linked with this. Gideon, the Lord had spoke to Gideon about taking and going and fighting his battle against the Midianites. So they were under bondage there. The Midianites would come in. In fact, Gideon at that time, he was... He was, uh, he was threshing his wheat and he was in, in hiding because they, the Midianites would come in. They would steal all their, their, their grain. They would steal their animals. They would steal all their food and everything. They would just come in and they defeated them and, and they, was, they would have to hide everything that they had. So the Lord come to Gideon and he says, I, I want you to go. He said, I want you to fight my battle for me. And so Gideon puts out the, and, and we know the story how that uh, Gideon said, I'm the least, uh, you know, I'm of the least of the tribes and so forth. And he told him to do some things, uh, to go tear down some altars and some things of that nature. That he was going to come out and, and kill Gideon because he had tore down the heathens, uh, uh, God's uh, uh, altars and stuff. And on goes the story. And they say, hey, listen, if, he, if that altar is a real God, let that God take care of it. And of course, we know that that didn't take place. And Gideon, he goes and the Lord tells him he wants to fight the battle. He puts the fleece out and asks the Lord to, to show him that uh, he really wanted him to go up and fight the battle. And he puts the fleece out and he says, uh, Lord, just make it wet on the ground, but not on the fleece. And so uh, the next morning he got up and the ground was wet with dew, but the fleece was dry. And he said, hey, Lord, he said, you know, I, I ask you again. He said, uh, uh, this one more time, he said, this time just make the fleece wet and, and the ground dry. And the next morning he got up and he put the fleece together and wrung out the water into a bowl. And the, the bowl was full of water and God was saying, I want you to go fight my battle. So he begins to, he blows the trumpet and all the men of Israel come out for him to, to go to, up to battle. And the Lord says, there's too many here. There's too many. 
So he begins to whittle them down. God begins to whittle down how many. We'll talk about that in a minute. But he whittles them down to 300 men. If you read on in the scriptures, you'll find out that the, that the Midianites had 135,000 men. So the Lord sends Gideon up to fight against 135,000 men with 300 men. Now if you want to do the math real quick, that's 450 to 1. 450 to 1. We'll see as we look in here why God did that. As they begin to fight them, Gideon and his 300 men, they, they defeated uh, 120,000 of them. 15,000 of those Midianites got away and began to, to run for their lives. And, and so Gideon and his men, they, after fighting them, they took out after them and they was weary, they was tired, they was worn out. They had been fighting and they pursued them and and yet they kept on going because the Lord told them to pursue them. We find here that they were faint, yet they pursued on. They were faint, but the job wasn't done. They were faint. Look at verse 4, at verse four again. It says, And Gideon came to Jordan and passed over he and 300 men, the 300 men that were with him, faint, yet pursuing them. He kept on pushing forward, kept on going on. He was tired. Can you imagine? I mean, that's like if I would say, okay... Uh, we take some of the youngest men and say, hey, you're young. You, you ought to be in good shape and everything. You're supposed to have been running, supposed to be playing basketball and stuff like that. Uh, I want you to go and I want you to whip these 450 men. That's your 450. You go pick out 450, you whip them. You go pick out 450, you whip them. Luke, you go pick out, well, Luke could do it. You go pick out 450 men, you whip them. We pick out all these guys and we pick out 300 and say, okay, now you go whip uh, 450 men. You'd be tired by the end of the day. You'd be hungry. You'd be weary. You'd be worn out. You'd say, probably you'd be, feel like saying, you know, hey, listen, there was 135,000 of them. We, we, we took down 120,000. I think that we could just call it good. But they didn't because the job wasn't done. The job wasn't done. The battle was still there. You know, this past year has been quite tiring for most and that we faced a lot of obstacles, many families feeling faint and feel like maybe they can't catch a break between sickness and work and cutbacks and this and that and, and even the political, the riots and all the junk that's went on and people just feel faint, just feel faint. People are struggling in many areas of their lives and as I said, we look at the world scene and all that seems to be, all that seems to be turned upside down, with no sight, no end in sight. In a way, there's been that sinking feeling in many Christians' hearts as we see the wickedness promoted, even in this past week in our nation, the attack on churches and Christianity and on the sanctity of life, and how that's celebrated by many uh, the Roe vs. Wade and the statements coming out of the White House about. They're so proud of it and how that they want to even go farther with it. You almost reach a point that, that your prayer is even so, Lord Jesus, come quickly. You just feel like sitting down and saying, Lord, just come on back right now. Just come on back. And you feel faint. You may be faint, but the job isn't done, Jesus said. You may feel like you can't go any far, but the Lord says the job's not done yet. 
You may feel like the things, are, the odds are against you, but the job's not done yet. And John chapter 9, verse 4 says, I must work the works of him that sent me. This is Jesus speaking. While it is day, the night cometh when no man can work. There's yet a great work for the Lord to be done in our day. And you might feel faint and hearted, but the work must go on while we have the opportunity to. Hey, can I tell you what? In some of the most difficult times and some of the greatest struggles in our nation's history has when the Lord has come forth in a brighter way than it ever has before. In some of the, the, the darkest times in people's lives is when the Lord shone so bright in their life and done great works in their lives. I, uh, some of the greatest, you take that hymnal that we've got, it's not on your seat right now, but if you take the hymnal that we use and you begin, I've got two books down there on my shelf that talks about the hymns in, our, in, in most of our, our, our hymnals that it tells the stories behind many of those hymns. Most of those hymns were birthed out of ad, uh, adversity and, and out of difficulties and out of death and out of struggles and out of problems in the nation, out of problems in people's lives, out of problems in people's families and, and the struggles. And some of the greatest songs that we sing come from people who, who their lives were seemed to be falling apart. They were faint and they couldn't go on any farther and they penned a song that now is a is great songs that give us a encouragement and gives us strength in these days and times lord looks around and he says i know you're faint but he said the job's not done i know you're faint but the job's not done i you know i as a boy i thought man it was terrible cutting weeds didn't have a weed eaters back then the weed eaters was goats and we didn't have any goats so we had what we call weed hooks. Didn't have to use the old scythe like that. We had weed hooks. We had, I mean, we was uptown a little bit, you know, and we had the weed hooks. Rick and I both had weed hooks. And we had this big area that it just grew up uh, every year. And that was our job, go out there and cut those weeds with that. we get most of it done and we say, oh, I'm so tired. Oh, it's hot. I'm tired. I'm tired. I think I'm going to pass out. No, we didn't say that. And we'd quit a little. There'd be a patch of it left. And Grandpa would come out there and said, Come on, boys. The job's ain't, ain't done yet. Get it cut. Go ahead and cut it. Well, Grandpa, can we finish it tomorrow? No, let's get it done today. It's supposed to rain tomorrow. Cut it today. And we get those weed hooks back out there and we'd start, <laughs> we'd ki- and we'd get the job done. He wouldn't let us quit till the job was done. Some of the things dad would have us do and everything, and we'd want to quit. So, can we do this later? He said, no, get the job done. You might be tired. You might be faint. It might seem like you can't get a break, that everything seems to be piling in on you. But you know what the Lord looks down? He says, hold on. I know you're faint. I know you're weary. But keep on pursuing. The job's not done yet. Well, I think, hey, Curse, I, I thought about you. I thought, man, uh, sometimes you, I, and I thought, man, just keep on. Uh, the job's not done. Just getting started good. And just keep on going for the Lord. Keep on going, Christian, for the Lord. Keep on going for this nation. Keep on going for your family. Keep on going for what God wants in our, in our lives and, and serve the Lord with everything that's within us. We got to keep going. As I said, the past year's been rough. Hey, listen, we got to keep going. Gideon's battle, by the way, was the Lord's battle. It wasn't Gideon's battle. It was the Lord's battle. If you back up in chapter 7, verse 2, it says, And the Lord said unto Gideon, The people 
that are with thee are too many. This is when he brought all the people down there for me to give the Midianites into their hands. Lest Israel vaunt themselves against me, saying, Mine own hand hath saved me. Hey, I want you to know that the Lord wants us to look to Him and to turn to Him in these battles of life. He wants us to look at Him during the difficulties of your day. And, 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 and Connor, we talked about this. The Lord wants you to look to Him now. That's where your strength's going to come from. Hey, in, in your life, it doesn't matter what's going on, the Lord wants you to look to Him. That's where your strength's going to come from. He was looked down there at Gideon, and Gideon had all those men together. He said, no, there's too many of them. He said, if I send you out there to fight the battle and, and, and you win, then these men go say, man, look what we did. Look what we did. Man, we're, we're tough stuff. Look what we did. Man, we can whip anybody. God says, I'm not going to do that. He said, there's too many of them. He said, we're going to get rid of some of them. He goes on and, and he gets rid of those men, several of those men. He sends many of them home and then there's still several there. And, and the Lord tells him again and uh, to, to take them down to the, to the water and let them, let them uh, uh, drink from the water. And he said, those who lap like a dog, he said, those are who I'm going to deliver you by. We find in chapter 7, verse 7, the Lord said, and again, and by the, by, uh, the 300 men that lap, will I save you? Notice he says, will I save you and deliver the Midianites into thine hand that all the other people go every man into his place. So what the Lord was doing, he was going to fight the battle for Gideon, but it was going to be on God's terms, not Gideon's terms. Can I tell you something? That the battle that you're in, God's going to help you win the battle, but it's going to be on His terms, not your terms. The struggles that you face, God's going to conquer those struggles, not on your terms, but on His terms. My terms would be, hey, just take them away. But God says, no, we're going to pursue. We're going to go on through them. I'm going to be with you through this a difficult time. I'm going to be with you through the struggles that you're facing in your life. I'm going to be with you through the, the difficulties in this, in this nation. I'm going to be with you. He said, listen, he said, I, I'm going to deliver them into your hand, Gideon. The Lord was going to fight the battle. Only God could get the glory. I think sometimes we forget that God wants to fight the battle, but God also wants the glory from it. And if we don't stop and realize that God is trying to do something for His namesake, with our lives and these battles that we're facing, it doesn't matter who you are. You're going to face a battle. You, you may be in one right now. If not, you'll be in one. There's going to be some struggles. It may be health. It may be finances. It may be work. It may be this. It may be that. We don't know what it's going to be. But there's going to be some struggles. There's going to be some battles. And God says, listen, I'll deliver that into your hand. I'll help you through that. But I want the glory out of it. I'll be with you during this time. That's why we need to pray for people like Curtis. That's why we need to pray for people in, 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 in our, our governor and the different ones and, and, and pray for those in, in, because God is able to take and work through them to bring honor and glory to His name. That's why we need to pray for one another. doesn't matter what you're facing. God's able to bring honor and glory out of your battle for His name's sake. That He might get the honor, that He might get the glory. And He told Gideon, He said, listen... The, I'm going to get the glory out of this. You've got to do it my way and not your way. You see, the way that we, we, so many times we're fretting in these times, we need to realize that the battle's the Lord's. And we may feel outnumbered by the world, like Gideon probably felt outnumbered. But you've got to stop and realize we're on the winning side. We're already on the winning side. You say, preacher, don't you realize what's going on? Hey, can I tell you something? 
The clock hasn't buzzed yet. And when it's all over, I'm going to be on the winning side. So how do you know? I love Roger Bennett's song. I read the back of the book and we win. If you've never listened to that song, you go home, you Google that. I read the back of the book. It's by Roger Bennett. And, and listen to that song. You know what? The battle that we're in, we need to stop and realize who the winner is, is going to come out in this thing. It may not go, go the way you want it to go. But we're going to be the winner in this thing. And if nothing more, than the Lord's going to catch us out of here, take us home, and we get to watch from the grandstands as he wipes the floor with them. You don't act like a bunch of winners. You know, some of you could get excited about the Chiefs winning today, couldn't you? So are you going to preach about that? No, I hope they win. But what I'm saying is you can get excited about a football game, about the Chiefs winning, you ought to get excited about the fact that you've already been declared the winner. They haven't been declared the winner yet, folks. And there is a possibility they could get beat. Oh, preacher, don't start talking like, don't jinx us now. No, what I'm telling you is this. There is a possibility. But there is absolutely no possibility that if you're on God's team, that you're going to come up a loser. You're going to be a winner for the honor and glory of God. It may look dark at times. It may look, hey, listen, it may look like the, 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 other, the other side, the enemy is ahead. No, he's not. He's just getting a little run. He just thinks things are going good. Hey, listen, read the back of the book. We win. Jesus Christ is exalted. He comes back. He cleans house. He sets things aright. He sends down a new kingdom. My friend, for eternity, we're with the Lord Jesus Christ forever. The other team gets kicked out into hell forever and ever and ever. Amen. It's time people realize we're on the back. Hey, listen, we're on the winning side. Far too often we get faint and we forget it's the Lord's battle. We just need to keep on pursuing. We just need to keep on going for the Lord. The Lord gave them some strange weapons in this battle. You might want to look at this. Judges chapter 7 verse 16. And he divided the 300 men into three companies. And he put, now listen to their weapons. And he put a trumpet in every man's hand. Within empty pitchers and lamps... Within the pitchers, that was a torch. Okay, that was their, what, the, what they was going to go fight the battle with. And he said unto them, look on me and do likewise. And behold, when I come to the outside of the camp, it shall be that as I do so, ye do. When I blow with the trumpet, and I and all that are with me, then blow ye the trumpets also on every side of all the camp. And said, the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. So Gideon and the, hundred, and the hundred men that were with him came unto the outside of the camp in the beginning of the mid, middle watch. And they uh, had but newly set the watch and blew tr the trumpets and brake the pitchers that were in their hands. And the three companies blew the trumpets and brake the pitchers and held lamps in their left hands and the trumpets in their right hands to blow withal. And they cried the sword of the Lord and Gideon uh, and of Gideon, and they stood every man in his place round about the camp, and all the host ran, and they cried and fled. 
Can you imagine? Picture this in your mind. Here's the, here's the, the, the host of Midian down here. Well, let's just do this. Come here, White. Come here, Blake. This is the Midianites right here. Okay, you got, you got 100 guys. Go that side. You got 100 guys. You go that side. I've got 100 guys. We got them right here. Okay. We got them here. They're in the middle here. We got them. And here's Gideon. He's up here. And he says, okay, you all do what I do. And he, he blows the trumpet. And he takes the, the pitcher. And he throws it down against the ground. It makes a crashing noise. He's got, the, he's got the trumpet in his right hand. He's got the torch in his left hand. They blow the trumpet. And he says, the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. Like that, and all of them, 300 men are doing this. 300 torches, 300 pitchers, 300 trumpets blowing. And the confusion sets into the, the camp of Midian, and they begin to run on one another. They pull out their swords and begin to fight one another and kill one another. And the Bible says that the 300 men of Gideon just stood there. Did you read anywhere there that Gideon and his soldiers had a sword? They had a pitcher that they broke. They had a trumpet that they blew. And they had a torch or a light that they held up. And God defeated them. Boy, you're talking about a supernatural God. You're talking about a powerful God we have. Well, I'll tell you what, if Christians would just stand in this day, if Christians would just do what God says to do, our, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're, they're spiritual, even to the pulling down of the strongholds of Satan and all the wickedness. And the, and, and the, and the weapons that we have that God has given us seem strange to this world. You know what most of us would have done? We took those 300 men and said, take a sword, take a spirit, take a shield. Hey, listen, if you've got a 357 Magnum, take it with you. And we would have grabbed every weapon we possibly could have. After all, there's only 300 of us and there was 135,000 of them. And they defeated at that very moment 120,000 by standing. Only God can do that. Amen. Only God can do that. Fellas, you can sit down. So they had some strange weapons, you might say. And I got to think about that. You know, God gave them each. They took, every one of them took a, into battle a pitcher, a trumpet, a torch. And they gave a shout for the Lord and stood in their place. You know, it, it, it's uns, it's, it just seems so unlikely that they could defeat an army like that. And when you look at the, the massive enemy that we face today in Satan and all the wickedness and all the junk that he's brought into this world and all the things that's happening, uh, whether it be politically or just locally or whatever it is in our lives, the battles that are fought, we keep thinking, man, I need some, I, I, I need some weapons. And so the Lord has sent every Christian into the spiritual battle that we see raging today with what seems to be some unlikely weapons. First of all, he sent us into, into this battle with a book. What are you going to do with that book? Beat me to death with it? Yeah. 
probably. You see, this book is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. The words of this book I've hid in my heart that I might not sin against God. This book gives me direction, gives me wisdom. It tells me about the one who's going to fight the battle for me. You see, this book is, is even, as the Bible calls it itself, is a mighty sword. Sharper than any two-edged sword, the Bible says. Not only that, but it is truth. And boy, if you want to see a bunch of people run like a bunch of cockroaches in the light, hey, listen, you just start opening up the truth of God's Word and they run. An unlikely weapon, but it's the Word of God. An unlikely weapon is the unseen Spirit of God that dwells in, in us, yet it's powerful and mighty. I often think of that unseen hand moving in, in the battles uh, over the years and different ones. I, I think of a particular battle uh, in that seven-day war as, as Israel was backed in a, a, a group of men uh, and, and some of their, <clears throat> excuse me, their tanks and different things was backed into this place and the enemy was trying to come at them and, and they knew that they couldn't get out of there because on each side of them was the enemy. In front of them was a minefield. And they knew not what to do. They knew that either direction meant death. They was locked in. And all of a sudden, the unseen hand of God takes a wind and it blows across that desert sand in front of them. And it blows hard. They had to cover their faces. And when it's quit... In the moonlight, they could see every landmine that was laying there. They walked through that landmine into safety. The unseen hand of God. You see, what know you not that your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and you're not your own. You've been bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and your spirit, which are God's. My friend, this world may not see that there's a powerhouse, there's an atomic powerhouse that dwells within me. It's called the Holy Spirit of God. Amen. My friend, the greatest weapon that we have is that of God. He sends us into a battle with an unseen weapon as the Holy Spirit dwells within us and guides us and directs us and encourages us and strengthens us and gives us power over the enemy. He sends us into battle with, a, with prayer. The ability to take a hold of a mighty God and the, the mighty army of God. It would seem so weak to this world when you face the enemy to bow your knee and begin to pray. and Begin to seek God. Begin to ask God to deliver you from the enemy. God says, that's the weapon I've sent with you, a weapon of prayer. Many years ago, the story's told of, of how that the Nazis came in and, and they were surrounding different cities and towns and stuff, and people were trying to flee out of those towns, and, and how that they, anybody that was fleeing, they would just shoot them on sight. One night, a man and his family and some others in their family, Christians, 
that were trying to escape, trying to get out of there. They was trying to get out in the middle of the night and they went out through the woods and when they got to a certain spot, all of a sudden they were surrounded by a bunch of Nazis. They asked them what they were doing and they had no response for them. They said, you're trying to run, you're trying to leave. And they said, you know what the penalty that is? And those men stood there and the, the, they took a machine gun. They began to fire into those people. And the people just stood there. people were praying and asking God to help them. That soldier took that machine gun, pointed back down the ground and fired it and the dust flew and the dirt and the leaves and everything, pointed back to the people and fired into the people again. And they just stood there. Again, they turned the gun to the ground and fired into the ground and the dirt and the, and the dust and everything flew in the air and they turned it back on and fired again and they just stood there. They said those soldiers turn and run. That man gave the testimony how that God had protected them from every bullet that come out of there. I was talking with a man used to be a member of our a church that I pastored and he was in Vietnam and him and some other soldiers took off running across. They, they had been praying and and asking God to deliver them and help them because they knew that they had to get across this rice paddy. He said, man, he said, we took off running. He said, you could just see the bullets hitting the water all around us everywhere we went. We got to the other side, got into the jungles there. He said, I felt a pain in my chest. He said, I reached in. He said, I grabbed out my New Testament. And there a bullet had hit and had stopped. Prayer is a powerful weapon. We have a mighty God. Over the years, I've seen the similar things. I've seen Bibles on display that had bullet holes drilled into them and never came all the way through. As the Word of God stopped and save the man's life. We have an awesome God. He says, one of the weapons I'm going to give you is prayer because I want, to, I want you to walk with me. He said, I'm going to give you a trumpet to proclaim the Lord and His mighty power to save and to deliver His own. In Isaiah 58, 1, He says, Cry aloud, spare not, lift up thy voice like a trumpet, and show my people their transgression." The weapon that God has given you and I is that that we would share the gospel with those around us, that we would lift up the Lord, that we would never stop uh, speaking the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. This old world is trying to shut down Christianity. This old world doesn't like to hear the word of God. This old world doesn't like to, to hear people talk about how good God is. This old world doesn't like you, you to stand there and tell them that they need Jesus Christ as their Savior or else they'll die and, and go to a devil's hell. They don't like to hear that because it's truth and it hurts. And so they want to they stop the truth. They want to stop the word of God. But God said, hey, listen, lift up your voice like a trumpet. He said, shout it out. Jesus saves. Jesus saves. Jesus saves. Jesus saves. He said, lift up that voice like a trumpet. 
Never be ashamed to speak the voice of Jesus, the word of God in the voice of Jesus Christ. Never be ashamed to say a word of encouragement to somebody in the, uh, about the things of God. Never be ashamed to quote a verse. Never be ashamed to pray with somebody. Never be ashamed to, to stand for Jesus Christ and speak his precious name. He gives us another weapon called faith. You see, faith, it shields us from the fiery darts of the enemy. Boy, in this day and time, you're going to need some faith, folks. In hours like this, Connie, you need faith. Days like this, we need faith. When the difficulties, the struggles come, we need faith. Who can you turn to? You need to be able to turn to Jesus Christ. You need faith in the Lord and faith in Him that He knows that all things work uh, good according to His purpose. He loves us. And we need to trust Him. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not into thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge Him and He shall direct thy paths. Be not wise in thine own eyes, but fear the Lord and depart from evil. He says, trust me, have faith in me. Then just like Gideon, his men, they had been instructed to stand in their place. Just like him, we've been instructed to stand, not to run. Too many Christians are turning their backs and running. It's not a time to run. It's a time to stand. It's not a time to sit. It's a time to stand. It's not a time to go someplace else. It's a time to stand in our place for the Lord Jesus Christ and, and to magnify Him with our life. Don't ever be ashamed of Him. Hey, listen, share Him with everybody that you come across. Tell people at Walmart. Tell people at the gas station. Tell the next door neighbor. Tell everybody that you come and come. Tell them about Jesus Christ. Take a stand for the Lord. Amen. Don't run. Well, we don't realize that many people are looking for some answers. Don't run. In Ephesians 6, verse 13, he's talking about the armor of God. He says, Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. Boy, that's today. And having done all to stand, he said, after you've taken all these weapons, after you've done all to stand, the next verse, verse 14, he says, Stand, therefore. He said, after you've done everything that you can, after you've taken up that picture, after, you, after you've taken up that, that trumpet, after you've taken up that torch, after you've crashed the picture to the ground and you blow the trumpet and you hold up the torch and uh, the light of God's Word and, and you shout the, the sword of the Lord, hey, listen, he says, stand. We don't need weakness today. We need Christians that are going to stand. We need men and, and women in our government that's going to stand for God. We need people in the, in the workplace that's going to stand for God. We need people in our, in our schools that's going to stand for God. We need people in our churches that are going to stand for God. We need people in our towns that are going to stand for God. We need people in this nation that are going to stand for God. And I'll be ashamed. Maybe weary, just keep on pursuing. You see, the battle was for the Lord's namesake. The reason is, if you go back and you read where Israel was at that time, they were in bondage because of their sin. So this battle was for the Lord's namesake. To return Israel's heart to God. And to get Israel to trust God again. 
Can I tell you the battle that you're facing today is to turn your heart more towards the Lord. To turn you to Him and to trust Him more than you ever have before. The battle you face today is for His namesake. You see, it's in the battle when we lift Him up and we magnify Him that He gets the glory. When we stand for Him, He gets the glory. After the victory of Israel, Israel the victory there, Israel wanted Gideon to rule over them. But Gideon said no and that, that they were to follow the Lord. In, in Judges chapter 8 there, in verse 22 and 23, it says, when the men of Israel said, Then the men of Israel said uh, unto Gideon, Rule thou over us, both thou and thy son, and thy son's son also. For thou hast delivered us from the hand of Midian. Notice what they said. You, Gideon, you're the one that delivered us. Gideon said to them, I will not rule over you, neither shall my son rule over you. The Lord shall rule over you. He sets God to give the victory. And he's the one that's supposed to rule. You see, we've got to stop and realize, yes, there's troubles. Yes, we're faint. Yes, there's hunger for God to do some great and mighty things. Yes, there's weariness because of all that we've faced in the days before and what may be ahead of us. But he says, keep on pursuing he said, because I'm turning your heart back to me. He said, I'm getting you closer to me so that I can pull you in, so that I can love you, so that I can, can show you my hand, so that I can show you my power, so that you can enjoy the things of God. And he draws us near. He says, turn your hearts to me. The battle before us is for the Lord's namesake that Christians might turn their hearts back unto the Lord and and live for His honor and glory. Can I tell you something? Across this nation, Christians have turned from God. I mean, maybe not completely turned from Him, but they have not been living for Him. They've not been serving Him. They, they, uh, the, this world's more important to them. The things of this world's more important to them than God's been important to them. And God has begun to erase that stuff and allow the battle to erase some of those things and, and, and put them in a position where they, they, they've got to look unto Him. Why? So that he can get their heart back. So that they'll turn unto him again. Souls might be saved, and that souls might be saved, and that lives might be changed for his glory. Sometimes the difficulties that we face may not be for us, but for somebody else. That they might see Jesus Christ in our life. They might see how we handle the battle. And they might say, I need that in my life. I need the one that you're trusting in. I need Jesus as my Savior. And souls will get saved and lives can be changed. You say, you, you, see, you may be faint, but don't quit pursuing. Let us draw nigh to God. Let us draw nigh to God in prayer. But we need to be a praying people in these days and times. We need to draw nigh to God in worship, lifting Him up. Magnifying Him. Boy, when you sing those songs, worship Him. Lift Him up. Magnify Him. Uh, draw nigh to Him in fellowship when daily spending time with the Lord and walking with Him. Put off our sins, those things in our lives that should not be in our lives. We need to draw nigh to God and put away sin out of our lives. Then we need to come alive spiritually in our walk, in our talk, in our worship, in our witness, in our testifying. Well, we need to come alive. 
This world has seen so much in these past several years dead Christianity where Christians aren't, aren't excited about the things of God and not trusting God. Hey, listen, this world needs to see the real thing. They don't need to see Hollywood Christianity. They need to see the real thing. They don't need to see a lot of this stuff that's displayed on TV. They need to see the real thing. They need to see true worship of the Lord. They need to see true Christians following the Lord. They need to see Christians who are living for God. We need to get to the vision. The Bible says where there is no vision, the people perish. I don't care who you are. You're supposed to get a vision. You say, what do you mean? I'm not talking about eating pizza and having a nightmare. I'm talking about what's God want me to do? God has you here for a purpose, for a reason in this time. God has called you to this place, to this position, to this area, to wherever you're at in your life. God has placed you there for a purpose, for a plan. Find out what it is and serve God. God wants to use you and Get that vision of what He wants you to have, of how, how to live for Him, how to reach souls, how to change lives, how to make a mark and make a difference for His namesake. Get that vision. Get a tender heart. I'm just going to confess to you. They say confession is good for the soul. I've been pretty mad lately <laughs> about some things. That's went on in the country. God been speaking to my heart. He says, instead of getting mad, why don't you get your heart tender? And why don't you get your heart broken for what's going on? We need a tender heart. Souls are dying without Christ. Lives are being massacred in so many different ways. Oh, how we ought to have a tender heart. Say, oh God, use me. Lord, I don't want to see anybody go to the devil's hell. Can I tell you this morning, without Jesus Christ, you'll surely spend eternity in a lake of fire. Jesus died on the cross for you so that you could have eternal life. He laid down His life. He shed His blood to pay for your sins and for my sins. That is the only payment that covers sin, that washes it away. It doesn't just cover it. It washes it away. And only by receiving Him as your Savior, repenting and asking Him to forgive you your sins and come into your heart and life can you have that eternal life that He purchased for you at Calvary. Oh, please don't die without Christ. Oh, preacher, I'm a, I'm a member of this church. I didn't ask if he was a member of the church. Do you know Jesus Christ as your Savior? We need to fall in love with the Lord again. I'm not saying that you don't love Him. But I mean increase that love. He told the church of Ephesus in Revelation chapter 2, he says, Nevertheless, I have, after he'd bragged on them for all the good works that they'd done, how they took a stand. Verse 4, he said, Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen, and repent and do the first works, or else I will come unto thee again, quickly and will remove thy candlestick out of his place except thou repent. Oh, how we need to fall in love with the Lord. 
That love should grow sweeter and sweeter every day. Wanting to know Him in a greater way. Wanting to spend more time with Him every day. Luke 10, 27 says, And He answering said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy strength, and with all thy mind, and thy, and thy neighbor as thyself. We're to love Him. You see, we may be faint at times, but remember who's in the battle with us. Just keep on keeping on for His namesake and for His glory. I think about Gideon and them when they shouted in that battle. Do you want needs to be now? There needs to be a battle cry. That battle cry ought to be Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. Faint, but pursuing. You may feel faint, but just keep on pursuing for the honor and glory of God. Let's bow. Father, we come to you this morning. Yes, there's a battle. And we seem so outnumbered at times. Yes, Lord, we have. We've read the back of the book, and Lord, we know we win. So help us to stand in this day and time. Help us to do that which is pleasing unto you. Help us to continue to pursue. And the reason Gideon then pursued, because the job wasn't done. Lord, there's so much that you would have us to do in this day and time. In dark times, Lord, the, the, the Word of God shines brighter than ever. Help us, Lord, to stand Help us to take the weapons that you've given us, Lord, prayer and, and the word of God. And, and on goes the list that we mentioned, Lord, our faith. And, and oh, Lord, help us to trust you. Lord, there may be somebody here this morning who doesn't know Christ their Savior. They might be a member of this church or another church, but they've never truly accepted you as their Savior. Lord, I pray that you give them the courage to come. Let's take a Bible and show them how to be saved. Lord, I pray every Christian here that there would be a battle cry come across their heart, Lord, to stand for you, to live for you in this day and time. Help them to find a place, maybe even this morning, and say, Lord, I'm going to keep on pursuing. I'm going to keep on keeping on. I'm going to draw closer to you, Lord. I'm going to live closer to you. And Lord, may we gain that strength as we trust you. For this we ask and pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with me this morning?